Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 296 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Donald's the only one that wore a green shirt to the taping of this episode, so he's the only one that doesn't get pinched. We would... We would normally be uh, we'd normally be rejoicing at the beginning of the NCAA tournament, but uh, it appears that Duke is it basically has the luck of the Irish this year. So uh, that's that's where we're at. I am Sam Klein. I am your host for this episode. I've got Donald Wine and Jason Evans here, guys. We are going to dive right in and do our season recap as we always do with the stats game. But before I do that, Jason, Donald, how are you guys? Jason, you can go first. It, it, it's bright and early on a Wednesday morning and, and yeah, it just, it's, it sucks not to have Duke to, to root for and, and talk about, I I've paid less attention to this tournament. I know we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament, but I mean, I, I, I really, I have not given it the usual once over <laughs> twice over, you know, many times over that I usually do. And, you know, one of the reasons why I'm, you know, and I, I guess I'm getting into a conversation I would have a little later. I, I'm not sure I believe that the tournament that's laid in front of us is the tournament that's going to be played. I, I really think that we're still going to see COVID impact this tournament, and, and they haven't announced anything about COVID impacting the tournament yet. So I'm quite skeptical. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, we said that we were going to delay recording this episode until we knew that the bracket was finalized and nothing has changed. So we, we continue to wait and see. Donald DeWine is also here. Donald, good morning. How are you? I'm doing good on this St. Patrick's Day. I just wanted to shout out uh, for you guys because you guys can see what I'm wearing and the people out there do not. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to Ireland for a soccer match and the supporters group that I'm a part of linked up with the Irish supporters group. So uh, they were a great group of dudes. They showed us around Dublin, showed us a great time. And so they gave me one of their jerseys that they wear to I Ireland matches. So I'm wearing that today to show support. They're called You Boys in Green. Uh, and so if you are in England or in Dublin and go to a match and you see the people going crazy for Ireland, that is you boys in green. So shout out to them on this nice St. Patrick's Day. Excellent. Lovely story. Uh, thank you for sharing it with us. Let hey, us... By, the, by the way, yes. Donald, the, Donald is speaking directly there to people listening to this podcast in a foreign country. And while that may seem insane, <laughs> when we, we check, know that they exist, we know they exist. We know yeah. they exist. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking it's, it's of amazing. Yeah. Speaking of finding out where you listen to the podcast from, I'm going to I'm going to tell you about this now and we're going to tell you about it again at the end of the episode, but I want to make sure we do it early in case you are somebody who doesn't listen to the end. We don't know if you do because until this point, we have never had a survey of DBR podcast listeners, but we're doing it now. So we've been talking the last couple of days about how we would like to improve the show into the off season into next year. We would also like to get to know our listeners a little bit better. So we have written a survey to learn a little bit more about you, the listener, whoever you are, wherever you are joining us from. You can access this survey by going to tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. I'll tell you that again, tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. I would guess it'll take you about 10 minutes to fill out if you do it, you know, thoughtfully. You, it, it could be longer if you really have have some things to say, because we've got some some places for you to to rate each of us individually. Um, we covered uh, some topics like, you know, which topics do you want us to be covering on the show? I know that in the past, we've dabbled into things like Duke football, Duke women's basketball, other ACC basketball, 
uh, maybe NBA stuff a little bit more. So kind of the, the topics that would be adjacent to Duke men's basketball. We ask you about that. We ask you about the kind of analysis that we're doing here, the interview guests, all kinds of things like that. So uh, we hope it's a very thorough accounting of all the, all the things that we are doing on the show. And hopefully you can give us some feedback and, and tell us who you are and, and what you like, because we obviously get the emails. But we know that that's a little bit more. That's a little bit more of an ask than going to the survey and filling out the exact questions that we've asked you. So once again, tinyurl.com/dbrpodcastsurvey. We'll just leave it up for a while. It's not like we have to finish this and make any changes anytime imminently. So we'll do that. We'll put the link as well in the notes for this show. We'll put it on the forum. We'll put it everywhere so that you can't forget it. One more time: tinyurl.com/dbrpodcastsurvey. Guys, let's get into the stats game. And as you know, if you've been listening to this show, at least since the beginning of this season, and I would be shocked, by the way, if we have lots of new listeners who joined for this year through Duke basketball, because what a terrible year to join the, the show and listen to us. But uh, if you've been listening since the fall, and, and especially if you've been listening for many years, one of our favorite things to do in previewing and recapping the Duke men's basketball season is to play the stats game where I pick a number of stats this year. I had 23 of them that we will go through and we each make picks about who's going to lead the team in a variety of categories, how many of certain uh, events will, will happen. And in most years, this is a, this is a fun exercise. I'd say this year it was kind of a disaster. Uh, so I do have, yes, Donald, before, Donald's raising his hand yes, before, before we, we walk into this. Before we walk into this, I just would like to note that the way the NCAA did it is in 2019, UVA won the national championship. And then in 2020, there was no NCAA tournament. So, so you UVA want to, count to claim a championship for two years. Since we are not in the tournament this year, I think as the winner of last year's, I think I should be able to claim this for another year. That's just... I mean, the precedent was set last year. I don't write the rules. I just enforce them. Uh, so that's how I think this should work. Donald, have you looked ahead at, at the recap that I've already put into our shared nope. Google sheet? Nope. No, I, no. I know it's brutal. So there's a reason, there's a reason that Donald, uh, it, it'll be, it'll become a mighty, uh, imminently clear. There's a reason. that Donald. <laughs> <laughs> I have done no research for this. I, I assume it's brutal. I, I gave, so I, I, I tabulated all the, all the outcomes this morning and I gave points. Basically I, I let you win. If, if it was a category where we were picking numbers, I gave the, the point to anybody who was, you know, highest or like closest if we were on the outside of the number, which is going to, to skew the, the outcome in, in, in an interesting way. Yeah. And this is not like the price is right. If you go over, you still can win, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's all directions. I'm, I'm, I'm giving points liberally this year because, because it's we need them. We're going to have to, we're going to have to. <laughs> and and there is it. a, um, before we start, I, I assume that neither of you have looked at, I, cause I just finished tabulating not. this. No. Before no. I start there were, I said there were 23 categories. Can you guess which category we were most wrong on most wrong on most oh, wrong wow. you were one... most you were most wrong on field goal percentage i know that i yes i well i, I was on that <laughs> but but i was only one away on that one right like like i said yeah, yeah. we know that it was mark williams that was a terrible pick but there is one category I, you're not going to guess it uh, that that we were so terribly wrong on and you're going to look back and be like what was what a number we, of what was a number thinking? of players about, that averaged 10 minutes a game no, no, I was going to say Henry Coleman minutes. That's a bad one. We're <laughs> we, were bad. we were bad that's on a, Henry Coleman minutes. That's a bad one. There's one, remember, there was wait, one wait. Was remember, how, remember how high we were on Henry Coleman in the preseason? Oh. We were very high on Henry Coleman. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to get to that one, but there's one that's worse. And I'll, and I'll 
I will point it it's out. It's a when tease. We get there. It's a tease, um, Sam. It's a yeah. tease. And by the way, it's about a player. It's about a player that's much more important than Henry Coleman. So there's your there's your tease. So let's go. Mark from Williams the top. starts. That's what it the is. The first. Oh, that's a bad one too. <laughs> um, there's a. We'll, we'll we'll go from the top. So uh, the first few categories are are not interesting. Most points we all guessed Matthew Hurt. It was Matthew Hurt. Most rebounds we all guessed Jalen Johnson. It was Matthew Hurt. So none of us get points there. Uh, most blocks we all guessed Mark Williams. It was Mark Williams in a runaway. The uh, fourth and fifth categories are the one are the first ones that get interesting. Uh, they they go together actually. Most assists and most steals. Both Donald and Jason picked Jordan Goldwire for both of these categories, and I picked Jeremy Roach for both of these categories. It was Jordan Goldwire, and especially in the in the steals category, that was kind of a runaway. Uh, Jeremy Roach came in second in assists and fourth in steals. So I, I was apparently much higher on Jeremy Roach than than uh, I should have been at the beginning of this season. Oh, oh but so, if my memory serves, didn't Donald pick Jeremy Roach like in three-point field goals or something like that? Well, oh, we'll we're going to get to that one. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that. We'll get Don't worry. Don't worry. Hey, hey, did well they said category. it was a blood. He just, he alluded that out like my stuff was a bloodbath. I've got most of them right so far, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're cancel. You've got, cancel the rest you, of it. <laughs> you've got two more, uh, you've got two more points. Stop the count, Donald, Donald said. Stop Sweet. the count. I see, I said stop the count. I'm going to stop it a couple. And by the way, uh, stop me along the way here to offer commentary on any of these things. I feel like I've, I've rushed through the first through. No, the, no, you're doing a great through. job. Keep it going, we got, man. <laughs> we got you. We all said Jalen Johnson was going to have the most rebounds on the team. And it turned out to be Matthew hurt. Again, a lot of the, the, the color of this, of the outcome of this game is going to be one Jalen Johnson barely played this season. Like he only played in about half of Duke's games and two Duke played a lot fewer games and won a lot fewer games than even we anticipated going into the season. Uh, highest field goal percentage. You both picked Mark Williams. That was correct. I picked Matthew Hurt, who came in second place, but a pretty distant second place. He was 10%, uh, 10 total percentage points behind uh, Mark Williams, not 10% less than Mark Williams. Highest three-point field goal percentage. Guys. <laughs> Matthew Hurt. It was Matthew Hurt. Really it was Matthew Hurt, like, by a long Did shot. I take Joey Matthew Baker? Hurt. Matthew Did I take Joey Hurt Baker? Hit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Hurt hit 44% of his three-point field goals. Which is nuts. Let's let let us stop for a, a couple times here to say, wow, what a season that Matthew Hurt had. That like one of the best offensive Duke seasons I think that we've seen in a long time from his total production. Forty four percent from three. Jason and I both both picked Joey Baker. Donald picked Jeremy Roach. Neither of those guys was like anywhere close to uh, to Matthew Hurt's numbers. I'm I'm going back here. Jeremy or Joey Baker hit thirty one percent of his three-point field goal attempts, and Jeremy Roach hit the same, both 31%. Look, so, you, acting like, behind. you were acting like I was the only one left on the island picking Jeremy Roach. I had company on that island. Uh, stick, and Joey stick, Baker was on that island with you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that island was really far away from the basket. Really far. <laughs> uh, most field goal, or most free throw attempts, we all picked Wendell Moore. We thought Wendell Moore was going to be more of a driver. He was going to be more aggressive on offense. That didn't really happen so much this year. He did lean the team in scoring a few times, which was which was impressive. There were a few games where he really went off. But Matthew Hurt, again, far and away, uh, the most free throw attempts for Duke. And they, Wendell Moore was third, right? Okay. Least, yeah. I mean, that's not that bad. At 46. That, that That's like, that's yeah. like two thirds of Matthew Hurts total. Right. <laughs> so not great. Uh, field goal attempts. Uh, Jason and I both picked Matthew Hurt, which was right. Donald's picked Jalen Johnson. Sorry, Donald. Jalen Johnson quit the team about a month ago. So uh, you don't get points for that. And, and he also had a, had a foot injury that sidelined him for a few weeks. All right. 
Uh, we have finished the categories where we are picking names, and now we are picking numbers. And this is where things get dicier. Although the first category uh, is is actually a fairly easy one, and, and two of us nailed it. How many players are going to lead Duke in scoring in a game? Jason and I both picked the correct number, which was six. Donald picked five, which was not right. And let me tell you something. Uh, if we had done this category differently, how many times is Jalen Johnson going to lead Duke in scoring this year? Like, I, I imagine that we would have each guessed something like in close to double digits, right? We, yeah, we expected to Jalen yeah. Johnson to be great. He led the team in scoring in exactly one game. This His season. first game of the year? No, it wasn't oh, it even was. the first game of the season. Uh, he yeah. only led the team in scoring in a in a January game against Pittsburgh, which Duke lost. Yeah, the That's first the, game of this the first game of the season, the leading scorer was DJ Stewart. Yes, and DJ Stewart, uh, interestingly, is the player that I'm going to get to very soon uh, as it relates to things we got very wrong. And that's the that's actually the category. I'm gonna te- I'm teasing that though because I have one more to get to. Mark Williams starts. Uh, we predicted how many games Mark Williams was going to start. Jason had four. Donald had five. I was the high man with six. So I'm taking this category because Mark Williams started 15 games for Duke. That is hey, so unfair. You know what? You know what? I, perfect. <laughs> I, 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 I was, I hoped I, at the beginning, we said a lot of these that we hoped we were wrong in this. Yeah. This is one where I was like, because if he was, if he was starting, you know, we did a lot with him. So uh, yeah, next year we, we will come better prepared. He's going to be starting a lot of games next year. Yeah. If you thought that that category was a load of crap, welcome to the category. We got the most wrong <laughs> DJ Stewart. We predicted the number of starts that DJ Stewart would have. Oh, DJ wow. <laughs> Jason and I were really pessimistic. We said that DJ Stewart would start three games. <laughs> Donald was the high man here. He predicted that DJ Stewart would start five games. And I'm pretty sure I went last in that one. And I was just like, I'm just going to go over I'm by just a take the over. Just right? going to take the over. Yeah, Duke played 24 wow. games and DJ Stewart started 22 of them, guys. So... Yeah, uh, let, let, let's all pause and just reflect on how, <laughs> by the way, one of the things we asked you in this survey that you're going to go take either during this episode or right after you listen to it. Is, hey, Sam, is, is that survey at tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey? <laughs> it is. It actually is at tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. When you take that survey, one of the questions is uh, to rate each of us on our basketball knowledge. So uh, you can forget that this episode happened when you're when you're doing that, <laughs> or or just talk about me up to this point because apparently yeah, exactly. I've run out of points. Yeah, so. no, Don- <laughs> yeah, spoiler, Donald has no more points. Uh, let's get to Henry Coleman's total minutes. Oh boy, uh, this one I know was bad for me. Say, Go ahead, yeah. Say say a prayer for yourselves. Uh, Jason's the low man here, he, so he's going to take it. Jason gets three fifty. Donald had three sixty. I had four hundred and fifteen. Henry Coleman, 95 minutes on the season. That's not great. Uh, Jason was only off by, by I don't know, looks like he's got, <laughs> looks like it's about, you know, three times, three and a half times yeah. higher than Yeah, he had a third. Number. He had a third of my pick, and I won it Just anyway. a little less than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Patrick to pay total minutes. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to win this one. And it's basically the same uh, type of outcome. I guess 224 get Jason guessed 250. Donald had 468 and Patrick to pay played a whopping 45 minutes in this. Season. Hey, that one. I have no idea what I was thinking. What I think we- what I thought was take what he was going to actually do and multiply it by 10. I should have divided by 10. I might've been closer. Here's another one where the length of the season really 
really bit us. Uh, this was number of players who logged over 300 minutes, and we really should have lowered. The, oh yeah, that's no fair because there were fewer. But Jason had eight, I had nine, Donald had ten. So Jason takes this one because only six players on Duke logged. Uh, 300 minutes this season. Uh, it's a, it's a and... great category. In that case, it's a brilliant category. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I think it's mean. I think it's a mean category. And then and the category knew what it was doing when it presented itself. Speaking of, of categories that Jason won because he just went low, the number of total <laughs> points that the walk-ons would score this season. Hey, 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 I win this one every year because I go low. That's true. And, and now we have learned our lesson. It was six. Jason guessed nine. Donald had 10. And I had 20 because... I felt I felt really strong about Mike Buckmeyer coming into the season. I thought he had put in great work in the offseason. I thought Keenan Worthington was going to produce a lot more than he did. And you guys have just really let me down. So the total was I'm, what four points? It was six. six. It was and six. Keenan six. Worthington that, had three of them had in three in of the, them in one game. In one game, yeah. <laughs> in, in the course of like 15 seconds. So right. uh there you go. I'll I'll here's another one where I will take it uh, on the basis of of undercount, but number of games were in which Duke will score hundred points. Gentlemen, Duke did not score 100 points this season. It never happened. I guessed one. Jason guessed two. Donald guessed three, which is better than that one year when Donald guessed 10. So I was still, I will, I will, you're in, I will sit here and and debate anyone who at the beginning of the season that year, 10 was a nice number. Just didn't end up being the number. I will, I look, Donald, I'll give you most improved in this category. Thank you. uh, You're you're getting getting a lot closer to figuring this one out. Next year, I'm going to say negative two. (laughs) all right here's another one where woof we really did not understand what this duke team was going to be at the beginning of this season the category was ken palm defensive rank oh selection sunday oh all three of us thought that duke was going to be a top 10 defensive team this season donald and i thought they were going to be eighth jason took the slightly more conservative nine they're in the and 70s. Duke, Duke is number 75 Ken Palm defense. <laughs> to, to be fair, if, we, you know, going based on prior, you know, knowledge and research and stuff, they had never been below like 19 or something in the history of Ken they were, No, 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 no. They were 47 a few years ago. I'm oh, sorry. I pointed uh, that out. The 19 was the, was the total ranking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, but in, in defense, um, they were 47 mm-hmm. a few years ago. But otherwise, the last few years, I had written this down at the beginning of the season, 6, 12, 6, 9 are the last four years of Ken Palm defensive ranks. So um, good job by us. Road wins. We actually weren't terrible on this one. Duke won three road games. I guessed five. Each of you guessed seven. So uh, I get the point for that one. We, I was in range, like, and a couple games got canceled and et cetera, et cetera. So Although, I feel like we did okay here. Did any of the canceled games, were they road games? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, the, Florida uh, State. Yeah, the Florida State game. Florida State the, and... Yeah, I'm sure and, the, and the pick game. Was no, no, win no, no, that. the pick game was a and home game. Pick Duke game was, was going home. to win. I'm sure Duke was going to win at Florida State. So yeah, um, <laughs> we, we, when we, we, we previewed that game, we know that this, that this was going to happen. So uh, I'll take the, the fourth road win for that. Uh, ACC teams in the tournament. Jason, you nailed this one. Eight. ACC teams made the tournament. The ACC was not strong this year, although it had a it had a good rear. I guess you could say that it, wait, had, it had a nice butt. Wait a minute, are you counting Louisville in that? Uh, no, I'm not. I I believe when I check because it's, yeah, it's only seven. it's only seven. Oh, I miscounted. Whoa, guys, we got to recount. Mm-hmm. I, someone needs to check me. Donald gets this point because Donald guessed seven. Now, so, <laughs> so the. The game has changed, but actually not that much. It doesn't actually change the, uh, the outcome of the stats game here. Jason is still going to win and uh, and by uh-huh. a, by a, I mean I guess a fairly comfortable margin. There's only 23 
categories. The last category uh, before Jason takes the victory for this year is it's another rough one. Total wins for the Blue Devils. Oh, do you guys remember what what you picked? I'm sure it's around 27 at least. I think I picked Jason, 20. I think I picked 26 or something. Jason had 27. Donald had 30. I had 26. 30, Duke yeah. won 13 games this season. <laughs> I had 30. Wow. All that right. Was... Look, folks. All right. No hey, one. I will always, I will always bet on my team. No one should get a point for that. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations to Jason Evans. You got 11 out of 23 categories. I got nine. Donald's got seven. So Jason is the stats game champion for this year. And, have... and everyone, everyone should remember that when filling out their survey and marking us down <laughs> for basketball knowledge. <laughs> yeah. That Jason was the closest to predicting this year for Duke. So uh, gentlemen, let's do just, just some quick hits on the end of, of Duke's season this year. And I know that we've covered a few of these topics sort of as we've gone through the summer here. I think that's sort of the point of the stats game is that we put a little bit of structure around how we think the team is going to perform, how individual players are going to grow and change and, and succeed and come onto the spotlight here. So why don't we, why don't we just give a, a couple of quick thoughts about, about the team at the end of the season and, I feel like we want to start with either Matthew Hurt or Mark Williams. Jason, I'll let you go first. Tell me about either of the players that you think were probably Duke's co-MVPs this year, at least at the end of the season. And by the way, there are a number of other guys that I think you could highlight who, who had strong seasons for Duke. I mean, I think if you look at this year, not as a season where Duke was accomplishing something for this year, but as a, as a building block. Uh, which, which is not how you usually look at a Duke season, but but that's what this ended up being. That there's there's a there's some really nice building blocks that are that are in place. I, I I don't have to go back and and recap the way Mark Williams turned around his game and turned around the profile of this team late in the year. We talked about it. We talked about it extensively on this podcast, and uh, and it's something to really really look forward to next year. And and look like we mentioned during the stats game. I mean the pro, DJ Stewart you know, what we thought he was going to be and what he ended up being um, I, way better than, than we projected in terms of, you know, number of starts and, and all those other kind of, uh, you know, categories and the such. So there's a lot to look forward to on this team moving forward. And I do want to reflect for a moment on Matthew Hurt, who, who was, you know, one of the better offensive players we've seen at Duke in, in quite some time, especially from the perimeter. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I'm trying to go back and think, of a guy we've had who had that kind of mid-range game that he had at times. Look, that that game he had against Louisville where he scored 37 points. You, you got to go way back in the history books to find a, a Duke player who had a game like that. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to go back to like some of the games that J.J. Redick had, Jason Williams. Um, Danny Ryan Kelly had that one outrageous game against Miami, and I think it was only like 32. And, and I was going to say, and it wasn't nearly the same kind of thing. That Ryan Kelly game was him just bombing from three, the Matthew Hurt game against Louisville, he was hitting tons of stuff in the mid range. And, and, and though that one game of course is an out 37 points, it's an outlier. It wasn't an outlier from his entire season. It wasn't like you saw him doing things that he didn't, didn't do all year long. So th there's, there's so much to talk about with this team going forward. Uh, I, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about uh, going into next year Donald, I know that Jason talked about the, the freshman a little bit. We highlighted Mark Williams. We highlighted DJ Stewart. But tell me about uh, your impressions of the freshman. And by the way, I will, I will tee this up as a question from one of our listeners. So we got, we got a few really good questions this week 
from listeners reflecting upon the end of the season. And a listener K-Man, who, who emails us a lot and who is a friend of mine, so, so appreciate you, K-Man. Um, one of the questions he asked us was, which rising sophomore whose initials are not MMFW? I think that's, I think that's the shorthand. <laughs> yeah, we know what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you most excited to see improvement from? And I'll, I'll let you, Donald, start with Mark Williams if you want, because, because you, you can say him, but, but tell me about the freshman. Yeah, well, first of all, I think MVP, Matthew Hurt, hands down throughout the entire season. If you're looking at season from start to finish, he knew he was going to be the guy entering the season and was the man all season. So I would give it to him, not disrespecting anybody else on the team. He had great seasons, but I do want to talk about Mark Williams very quickly. His rise to stardom was kind of similar to the, to the feel good story that we had a year ago with Justin Robinson, but he did it as a freshman instead of as a senior. And I think when it comes to, Mark Williams, the future is so bright. If we know that he's going to improve every single day, which we literally saw throughout this year, I think is going to be an incredible summer for him. It's going to be important for his development. As we've said before, we hope Cookout really enjoys his presence over the summer uh, and he's there a lot. (laughs) But I, I think when it comes to Mark Williams, him coming along and then emerging in the back half of the season was incredible to watch it was fun to watch and it gives us so much hope for what he can do beyond the season I do want to transfer with uh you were asking about what other player uh what other freshman that we could be most excited about for me I think is DJ Stewart to be most excited about but I think to answer the question if the most improved freshman is Jeremy Roach I think we are in a really good position because I think DJ Stewart and Mark and Mark Williams are going to improve. If Jeremy Roche can be the most improved, that means our backcourt is really solid. We'll have a, we'll have a Griffin coming in uh, to kind of help with that as well. I know he's a bigger guy that'll probably play closer to the two or three, but I think having those guys on point means our guards are going to be leading the team as opposed to this year, where I think it was more a front court. That's going to be the balance. And, and I think if Jeremy Roach can be that guy that can really improve the summer, improve his three-point shot, improve his handle, improve his distribution, we will be a much better basketball team next year with the additions that we already have coming in. And we will do a little bit more previewing of kind of the, the team going into the future. I know that there's a little bit of, of recruiting that hasn't quite sorted itself out yet. So we'll withhold so far on this discussion on, on kind of speculating too much about next year. I think we will definitely get into that in the next few weeks as Trevor Keels' recruitment wraps up and, and we'll hear more about that. There are, there's some other recruiting news that may be in the pipe, but Jason, any other, um, any other thoughts on this season? I know you had some advanced metrics you wanted to share with us. So why don't you kind of walk through that now? Yeah, as folks know, I've been diving um, headfirst into the Ken Pomeroy pool, so to speak, all season long as we look mostly at our, our opponents, but also looking at Duke. And I, I, I did have some reflections on the team based on some of those interesting advanced stats. Um, I, you know, Duke was never a team this year that forced the opposition into bad situations. And that's really, that's one of the things that we have to work on improving next year, um, especially obviously on offense, because that's where you, where you control what the opponent's doing more than anything else. And it's really borne out in free throws. Uh, Duke finished the year 337th in the country in free throw attempts compared to field goal attempts. 
That's a stunning statistic. That is, you know, I went back through Duke's history. You will never find a Duke team that was so bad at getting to the free throw line. We were 342nd in the country. One of the bottom 11 teams in the country in the, the percentage of free throws that were our offense. Free throws are easy points and they were hard for Duke to come by this year. And that's something that has to change moving forward. And I'll tell you another interesting thing. I really, you know, I've talked a lot about this Duke team being unlucky. Um, like we had a season's worth, uh, no, I'm sorry, we had a, a decade's worth of bad luck all in one season. Um, you know, Duke was one of the bottom 10 teams in Ken Pomeroy's luck rating, which is a, a stat which, you know, measures, you know, how you, what your actual record is compared to what your record really should be. Um, Duke had other stats where we were incredibly unlucky. Our, our non-steal turnovers, which is turnovers that happen that you don't really force. Duke was one of the 30 worst teams in the country in non-steal turnovers. Our opponent's three-point field goal percentage. Now, look, I, I know that you can force your opponent into bad three-point field goals. You know, that's part of playing defense. But, but part of three-point field goal shooting is, is luck. And Duke's opponent three-point field goal percentage was huge and just really uncharacteristic from how Duke's opponents usually shoot. Teams like Miami and North Carolina, who are bad three-point field goal teams, just went off against Duke. And it's all part of this, this story of luck, uh, of bad luck that happened to this Duke team again and again. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we talked about, Sam, you said in the stats game, we talked about how bad this Duke team was on defense. But one of the advanced stats that sticks out to me, and this is going to be surprising, um, Duke was the 15th best offensive team this year. And you may think, hey, 15th best, that's pretty good. This was a really bad offensive team. Duke is traditionally, almost always, one of the five to seven best offensive teams in the country, according to Ken Palm. And so to be 15 was much worse than usual. In fact, this is our lowest offensive ranking as a Duke team since 2007. That's a long time ago. And, and in a year where Duke had its, like one of the best offensive seasons that we've probably seen since the mid 2000s, like since JJ Redick was on the team. So and Matthew Hurt, yes, individual so, right. offensive. Yes. So, yeah. so, so thinking about the kind of lack of production around Matthew Hurt is stunning given how effective and how efficient he was. And, and the last thing I wanted to point out about this disappointing season, we, we did this against a really easy schedule. I mean, from Duke's standpoint, this was a, a tremendously easy schedule. Our, our non-conference featured really only two quality teams. Uh, and and you, can, you can even debate how good Michigan State was. They just barely sneaked in the tournament. Illinois is outstanding. And, and when we talk about the NCAA tournament, we'll talk about Illinois. But, but you know, our non-conference slate was not tough by Duke standards. Our conference slate was really, really easy. We never played FSU. We only played Virginia once. It was at home. We only played Virginia Tech and Clemson once. And like, if you look at the top of the ACC standings, Duke didn't play most of those teams very much. So for us to have this bad season against a really easy schedule, you know, it, it, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's just a really disappointing year. And Jason, it shows you the promise that a lot of people have about our team for next year, because we already have the Black Friday game scheduled against Gonzaga in Las Vegas. We'll have the Champions Classic again. We'll have they're not going to give us an easy opponent in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They never do. They're going to give us a marquee matchup. So we're going to be facing one of the big teams in the Big Ten next year in that, in, in that challenge. So we're going to have a, an early season schedule that's going to be one that most Duke fans are used to. We're playing some of the bigger teams in big environments. So 
that that's always something to look forward to because I think those games also get people excited. And, you know, this year with COVID and everything, it was hard for people to kind of get into the season. We won't have that problem next year. I'll go ahead and predict right now. I think Duke's going to play Ohio State. I'm going to say it right now. Duke's going to play Ohio State in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And, and I'm going to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> As you always do. So that be, would be, by the way, it'd be really fun if we played Michigan. But for some reason, I, I've got this feeling we'll play Ohio State. But Michigan would be really fun. I know Donald would love that. That, that might be a little difficult for me. I, I might need to take, take a time out. <laughs> I need to be, let's just play Ohio State so I can focus on completely hating them. Duke plays Miami every year, Donald, and you root for them. So you, you'll, you'll figure it out. That's you true. Know, this is this is not a problem for me or Jason. I don't think we have we have particularly strong allegiances to other schools. I do have a I do have a master's degree from University of Denver, but that really only comes up during lacrosse, lacrosse. season, not really so much <laughs> in uh, in basketball. So, all right, we will leave it there for our recap of the season. I'm sure we're going to talk more in the next few weeks about about this season and and some of the ways that it went wrong, and also trying to look ahead and and I think be mostly optimistic. As we, as we look ahead to next season, but there are a lot of dominoes left to fall. There are, it's not just uh, recruiting. There are NBA decisions that, that are potentially coming down the pipe. We expect, I think Matthew hurt to, to at least strongly consider declaring or declare and then, and then explore his options before maybe coming back or maybe not. Uh, Certainly, you know, Duke loses Jalen Johnson as they already have. There are a couple of freshmen on the team who, who outperformed this year. And we would not be surprised if they tested the waters this summer. Um, there's always the transfer market, which is going to be much more open this year than it is in normal years, because with COVID, basically everyone's getting a, a free pass this year to transfer. So look for not just Duke guys uh, internally to transfer out, but also guys to transfer in. We don't really have any speculation right now on, yeah, on tra- who by those the way, tra- players transfer, might be. Transfers this year are going to be, we, we have never seen anything like what we're going to see this year. The NCAA has talked about uh, having a one-time transfer waiver where everybody would be immediately eligible if they transfer. They haven't officially passed that yet. Um, when, when they started talking about it, um, the, the feds actually started asking some questions, some antitrust questions, and the NCAA is getting some more clarification. But, but it is widely anticipated that sometime in the next month or two, the NCAA Board of Governors will, uh, will allow free transfers, a one-time waiver, for, for any athlete that wants to go to a new team. And we've already seen uh, they're, they're, the number of guys in the, port, in the transfer portal right now is crazy. D- just the other day, if you didn't follow this, the in, virtually the entire starting five for Penn State. Penn, Penn State fired their coach. They brought in a new coach. The players apparently weren't pleased with the new coach <laughs> that was brought in. The entire starting five for Penn State said, hey, I'm, I'm entering the portal. Um, that's a whole team. This just says we're all going someplace else. Now, the, just because you enter the portal, you don't have to go someplace else. They may decide to come back. But and we're seeing this across college basketball. There's a lot of guys, really high quality players who have already entered the portal or are already talking about it. And the tournament isn't even done yet. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be the wild, wild west this summer. And I absolutely think that we're going to see major changes on top tier teams, including Duke, that, that none of us can project at this point because. It, it's going to be so crazy. And, and because of that uncertainty, we're not going to try to delve into all the possible combinations of, of outcomes that, that could happen here. The three of us were, were texting about this the other day about just about Matthew Hurt's decision-making and how it might affect the, the recruiting. And, and we were like, oh, there, there's, like, there's, too many, there's too many rabbit holes here. There, there's just too many dirt roads. So I'm sure we'll cover it over the coming weeks and months. And by the way, 
Jason, speaking of regulation, name, image, and likeness becomes uh, much more prominent this summer as the as the restrictions are relaxed. So we don't yet know how that's going to affect Duke. How that's that, going that to was the that was the other thing that the feds asked the NCAA about. <laughs> yes. So so as as players are able to start making more money off their name, image, and likeness, I think there's a huge question out there that that every national and local college basketball writer is asking, which is, does this help or hurt the big time programs? Does Duke improve because guys are able to to market themselves now as as Duke players, or does it hurt Duke because you can now go take your brand elsewhere? Does the I, I you could say very simply like, does the Zion Williamson model make more sense, or does the Ben Simmons model make more sense? And the answer is we don't yet know. So all of that and and more to come in the future. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament, which the first four of which begins tomorrow, and the the full bracket begins on Friday. So we'll make a few picks and observations now that the field is quote-unquote locked in. If you are not sticking around with us after the break, don't forget tinyurl.com slash podcast survey. Tell us what you think about the show. But we'll be back, guys, right after this. We are back and we are going to wrap this episode with a few minutes on the NCAA tournament and the bracket as it looks right now. So Donald, I'm going to come to you first. Give me your general impressions of how you think the NCAA tournament is going to unfold. I'll let you tell me about upset picks that that you're excited about. I'll let you tell me about your final four. I want you to give me a final four and tell me who you think is going to win this tournament based on what we know as of Wednesday morning, as far as who's healthy and who's actually playing in the tournament. Yeah, so uh, what I say right now can easily go out the window in the next 48 hours before the tournament actually begins uh, because so much is still changing. I mean, we're already hearing about some teams that aren't bringing all of their guys to Indianapolis or haven't brought all their guys to Indianapolis because of COVID concerns. So uh, some of these teams are going to be shorthanded, some teams that were poised to do very, you know, at least semi-well in the tournament. So I'm going to quickly go through as of right now, who I have as my upsets and also my final four, I have not picked a winner yet. Um, this is because this year is kind of crazy uh, when it comes to just the number of teams that could win it and the number of teams that should win it. No, you're just going to say one at the end. You're going to, you're going to go through your final four and you're going to tell me which of those teams is going to win. And I don't care oh, okay. how much you right. thought I, about it. Okay. That's fine. I'll, I'll do yeah, that. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're under the gun here, man. That's fine. So let me start with the upsets really quickly. Uh, I think the, one of the big uh, upsets that I think everyone is, is really high on right now is Georgetown over Colorado. That's a 12-5 upset. Reminder uh, for every, everyone out there picking brackets, always pick a 12-5 upset because one of them usually happens. Uh, Georgetown is probably the one most poised to do that. They ran through the Big East uh, and really, you know, is a team that may be underseeded as a 12, uh, but they could also be very seated seated very correctly. Uh, but again, I think that's one I think we're going to pick. Another one I think a lot of teams aren't, a lot of people aren't picking. Winthrop, another 12, over Villanova, who is a five seed. They lost Colin Gillespie for the rest of the season and really has affected them over the last week or so. So uh, that is something that I'm looking at. And then finally, for those of you out here in ACC land, 13 Iowa over four UVA. Why? Because last time Ohio was in the tournament, they were a 13th seed. They made it to the Sweet 16, and they did it with just absolute force. 
So uh, that's something that I'm looking at. Again, I may not pick them, but those are three upsets that I'm looking at. And then for your final four right now, as of March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, I have my final four as being Gonzaga, Michigan, Houston, and Baylor. And I have a homer pick, I know, but I think it could still happen. Michigan over Baylor for the title. Why do I say Michigan over Baylor? Because Michigan right now is missing one of their best players, Isaiah Livers, but he is scheduled to come back for the Elite Eight and then the Final Four. If that happens, Michigan's chances skyrocket. And Gonzaga, who is going, who right now is undefeated, no team has gone undefeated in the tournament and won the national championship since Indiana did it in 1976. I do not think it will happen this year. I think everyone knows that Gonzaga is the best team, and I do too, which is exactly why in this COVID era that they are going to lose sometime before someone hoists the trophy. That team will be Michigan as of right now. I refuse the right to change before Friday, but that's what I got right now. And if it has to be anybody that's going to lose, you might as well pick Michigan. Because, exactly. Because that, that, that's exactly who you are. Donald, I love your picks. They're, they're fascinating. They're interesting. They have just enough insight in them. Jason Evans. Tell me about what is going to happen in this NCAA tournament. Uh, so I'll tell you one thing that I think is going to happen, and that's that there is going to be a team that's not going to play because of COVID, and we just don't know who that team is. And it's um, and 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 the other thing that's going to happen, and Donald kind of alluded to this, is there are going to be teams that are going to have way fewer players than expected. Um, it's it's shocking to me that no team has has COVIDed out of the tournament. That no team, you know opened up a spot for one of those te- one of those first four out teams to to get their way in the tournament. I think that I think that teams, you know, they the NCAA has said if you have five guys you can play. And and I think there may be teams playing with five, six, seven players including a couple of them walk-ons. Uh, it's going to be crazy wild west kind of stuff happening out there for some of these teams, especially early. I think as we move later and later in the tournament, Teams are the, the NCAA is trying to create a bubble for the for these teams in in Indianapolis. And while it's not a perfect bubble, I think that they're going to uh, I, I think they're going to do a pretty good job of of having teams stay safe. But arriving to Indianapolis, I think some of these teams are having some trouble with that. Kansas is one of the teams having real trouble with that. They've already said that there are several players who they don't think are going to be there for their first game. And in fact, one of my first round upsets is Eastern Washington, number fourteen seed. I think Eastern Washington will take out Kansas. That's one of the big first round, first round upsets that, that I'm looking for. I, you know, in, in terms of my final four, because I, I haven't picked the whole bracket yet, but um, I, I, I went with a lot of chalk. Uh, I really feel like the, the top teams are, are a pretty healthy stretch better than, than everyone else this year. Um, uh, you know, like we alluded to, I, I don't think there was much debate about who the four number one seeds were. And, and, and as Donald mentioned, Michigan, even though they were clearly a number one seed, missing Isaiah Livers is a big deal. So my final four is three number one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Illinois. And then I think missing Isaiah Livers is going to hurt Michigan. And, um, and so I've got Florida State, a little bit of an ACC homer here. I've got Florida State coming out of that bracket. So that's my final four, Gonzaga, FSU, Baylor, and Illinois. And as, as much as I, I love Gonzaga, I'm going to take Illinois to win, win it all. I think uh, they, they've got a great combination of youth and experience. They've got great size and great guards. 
and, and when in doubt this year, I'm picking a big 10 team. That's one of the things I'm doing in my bracket. And, and one of the reasons for that is this year we had less interconference play than any year in the past. And there was basically no interconference play at all after late December. Uh, guys, remember December? Doesn't that feel like a century ago? <laughs> mm-hmm. Seems like last year. Yeah, right. Exactly. So we don't have a lot of interconference play early on. Um, we haven't had any since December. And we didn't even get a tournament last year to get a sense of which conference was way better, you know, last year during the tournament. Uh, so it's been a long, long, long time since we really were able to measure these conferences. But I'll tell you from the eye test, from watching games across college basketball this year, the Big Ten is on a different level than the other conferences. You're playing a tournament team every single game in the Big Ten, maybe except when you're playing Nebraska or Northwestern. You know, eh. But other than that, you're playing a tournament team every single game in the Big Ten. And I just feel like watching Big Ten basketball, they were better than everyone else. So I'm taking Illinois, the best team in the Big Ten this year, especially with Isaiah Livers out for Michigan, as the team to win it all. And like I say, when I'm in doubt, when I'm looking at a matchup and I can't figure out what to do, I'm going Big Ten. That's just the way I look at the tournament this year. I like Jason's picks because they don't look a lot like mine. And, and I don't <laughs> have the, the prevailing wisdom that, that being in the Big Ten is going to help you this year because – I'll, I'll skip right ahead to my final four. I'll tell you that I don't have any Big Ten teams in my final four. I do have Gonzaga because I don't think you can pick against them right now. I've got Alabama coming out of uh, Michigan's region in what is quote unquote the East region. And then on the other side of my bracket, things get uh, much messier. I've got Arkansas coming out in in Baylor's region and I have Baylor losing to Wisconsin early in the in the uh, in the in the second round. Donald looks like he's gonna two, he's gonna he's gonna crush me for this. No, no, no. Two quick things. One, that Arkansas pick, I like that one. That's something that I've been considering because of the fact they play really fast and they play really they play you know forty minutes of hell. They still kind of employ that, so that's a good pick. I will say this: I'm pretty sure, like two months ago, you said that Alabama and Nate Oates were never to be discussed on this podcast ever again and then you just brought them up. So and I'm I just, and, and just I have them going all the way to the final four. So yeah. I'm, I guess hey. you could say that I'm. I'm making picks sort of against the, the way that I would root for some of these things. Cause I don't know that I actually want Gonzaga to, to finish the undefeated season. And I don't know that I want to see Alabama in the final four. And I don't know, I guess I have no love loss for, for Arkansas. I don't, I don't remember 1994. So. Hey, hey, there's a, there's a real good argument that Nate Oates is the national coach of the year this year. <laughs> Man, you can argue a, it. It's wrong. What an awful time. What Smart an awful time to be alive <laughs> guys. We haven't gotten to my weirdest pick. Wait a second. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Mark few. Why is it Mark Few? How come Coach K never wins Coach of the Year? And Mark, uh, Few- wait, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, hold that, hold that, hold that thought. No, hold that thought. Here's why: because the question that we're going to talk about a little bit later discusses that point right there. Okay. All right, my last Final Four pick because I don't have as many of these crazy upsets early in the tournament. But my last Final Four pick is number six seed San Diego State coming out of the region that has Illinois in it. I have Illinois uh, losing in a cross-state rivalry game in the second round to Loyola Chicago, who has not played a good team in months, and they and they don't have any like super high-quality wins this season, but they are very good. They're very high-ranked in Ken Palm. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and, and have Loyola Chicago uh, taking out Illinois there hey, in the second hey, round. That's going to be a fun one. Do not count out Sister Jean. We learned that a few years ago. Do not count that lady out. She's 101, and she's going to these games. If you, want, if, you, if you want me to give you some, some, some real crack analysis, 
uh, Loyola Chicago beat Chicago state very early in the season by like 30 some points and Illinois only beat them by like three points. So the transitive property says that Loyola Chicago. <laughs> now look, they also both played Wisconsin and yeah, I was going to say, wait a second. Wisconsin and Illinois has beaten them twice. Yeah. So, Loyola Chicago <laughs> I'm got, not telling got, you they got beat badly by Wisconsin. They lost by double digits. Do you know what you Loyola Chicago's best win all year is you ready for it? They won at Drake. <laughs> Drake, could tournament, tournament. Drake could make a run. That's, you know? that's wait, that's Loyola's best win all season. They won at Drake, by the way, they also lost to Drake. So it's not like they were dominant against Drake. Loyola, Look, Chicago, no way. There's no, that's not happening. Fine. Fine. You know what? Fine. Uh, no, I, I don't, I don't get paid to make these picks correctly. I just, get, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just get to show up. So, so there's my final four Gonzaga, Alabama, Arkansas, and San Diego state. I've got Gonzaga over Arkansas in the national championship game. And if that comes to pass, wow, what a weird season it was uh, with Gonzaga coming out as the undefeated team and first time in, in 35, 45 years that that's happened. So man, that would be incredible. 1976 okay. Indiana. Guys, yep. The picks, mm-hmm. the picks are in and they probably stink, but <laughs> we, but we all took different routes to get there other than, other than everybody picking Gonzaga. So maybe one of us turns out to be more right than the others. I want to close with a couple of uh, quick hits on the NCAA tournament. Donald, I want to um, I want to come back to you really quick because I know there's been some news out of Bubbleville about the uh, potentially uh, <laughs> like not not ideal conditions for teams to be playing in this tournament. What do you have on that? Yeah, well, it seems like they've been talking about some of the players in the bubble, and a lot of coaches have already come out and expressed concern about the accommodations that the players are getting, uh, namely that they're you know all crammed into five hotels, so. Imagine 68 teams in five hotels all right next to each other. And they're, you know, not getting a lot of accommodations with the hotel. They're getting crappy food. And by crappy, it is like cold food and things that, you know, if we think about it, a lot of these players are used to having training tables where they have, you know, nice meals. And and we're not talking about gourmet five-star meals, but at least they're getting good food because they have nutritionists and they have all these other people who are trying to, make sure that they are feeling their body in the right way for success. And that's not happening in these hotels or getting a lot of food. And, and the thing about it is it sparked a lot of debate on social media about whether or not these players should be quote unquote grateful as some reporters would say that they are in the NCAA tournament and get to, you know, eat the crappy food guys, they're players. They're, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds who are not getting paid to play this game. And they're also being asked to do everything. And they have done everything to this point. They have been isolated from their families, from their, from their friends, from other students on campus. And now they are being asked to do so for basically an entire month if they want to stay and win a national championship. The least you could do is give them a nice meal. I mean, they're, they're, getting, you know, they're getting a bunch of like coupons and stuff like that that they can't use. And these guys are like, what, what am I going to do with this? I think the, the one thing that they got uh, was a sponsor. They got deodorant. All the players got deodorant. Like that's what we're, that's so what we're doing. Smell nice. That's it. Yeah. They're going to smell nice for, for nobody as they sit in the room. So I think the NCAA just need and everyone out there just needs to realize that these are kids playing a game. And we've talked about the name image and likeness and all this stuff about how, you know, everyone else seems to be making money, but these players and that will soon change, but it hasn't changed yet. And the power still rests in the people who are not, playing this game. So I need people just kind of chill out and let these kids 
complain if they need to, because they deserve, if they're going to play for a national championship for your school, if Duke was in here and they were complaining about this, I will want them to have the best accommodations possible. That is how that should be working. The NCAA needs to make whatever happen, at least give them some nice meals so that they can prepare to play this game and not have any injuries or anything like that. And speaking of Duke not being in the tournament and the conditions not being ideal, I'm going to give us just a couple more minutes of being salty about Duke not being picked for this tournament. We know that Duke is the highest ranked Ken Palm team that didn't make the field and there are teams that were much lower than Duke that did make it. But we got an email from listener Nick who uh, did a little bit of analysis for us running through a, a few key metrics and comparing Duke and some other teams to teams that are in the field, teams that are out of the field. Jason, I would like you to kind of walk through Nick's analysis for us because I know that you're the you're our you're our guru here on on comparing the metrics. So tell us about what uh, listener Nick did for us and and what you think about it. Yeah, so Nick took a look at the teams that were the last four in, the first four out, essentially the the four substitutes, and then he looked at Duke. And I, I don't think it'll come as a, a surprise to anyone who's listened to this podcast over the course of the year. Uh, like you mentioned, Duke, Duke is easily, you know, by a lot, the best Ken Palm team of any of those nine teams, last four in first four out and Duke. So, so we're the best Ken Palm team of any of those teams in the net rankings. We are, there are only three of those teams that are better than Duke in the net rankings and teams like Michigan state and Wichita state who made the field in the tournament were 20 plus points uh, 20 plus, you know, ranking spots behind Duke in the net. Um, and, and uh, you know, at, to say nothing of Ken Palm, I mean, like Wichita State is in the field. And if you look at their net, they're, they're 72 in the net. They're 74 in Ken Palm. Uh, just for recollection, Duke is 49 in the net, 33 in Ken Palm. We are clearly a better team than Wichita State. And yet they're in the field. We weren't even in the first four out. And, and Nick's, Nick's, Nick's point here was, he thinks that there was some bias, that the, that the committee held Duke to a higher standard because they expect Duke to be more than what we usually are. Um, by the way, the other thing he looked at was quad one wins, you know, qual really, really high quality wins. And, and with the exception of Michigan State, who by playing in the Big Ten had a lot of quad one opportunities and picked up five quad one wins. Basically, all these other teams uh, had one or two quad one wins. Duke had two quad one wins. Um, so, so that's not really much of a differentiator. And, and, but Nick's point was he thinks that, that, you know, because everyone expects so much from Duke when we have a bad year, the committee sort of, they, they looked unfavorably on us. And, and if, if we were Drake, a team that got in the field who, who has, again, worse numbers than Duke, uh, that if, you know, put, put Drake in Duke's shoes, that Duke would have gone if we had been Drake, so to speak, if we didn't have Duke on our jersey, if we had Drake on our jersey. And I, I don't think that Nick is necessarily wrong about that. It, it's the reality of who we are. Uh, but, but the other thing to remember, folks, is this, this Duke team had opportunities. We had chances to get the one or two extra wins that would have made us clearly a tournament team. And, and we just didn't execute late in games. And, you know, we can argue about whether we should have, whether the bubble should have burst for us or not. Frankly, this was a team that all year long in the key moments didn't come through. And, and in my opinion, it's not horrible that we didn't make the tournament as a result of that. That's, that's a, a, a justified punishment, so to speak, for not executing in those key moments.
and Jason, that is why I stopped you earlier because I think that would this question kind of tied into the whole thing about like why would Mark Few be considered for coach of the year, national coach of the year, and Coach K would because everyone expects Duke to win every single game, every single year, and win the national championship and go undefeated, which as we've said a couple of times has not been done since 1976, but they expect that from us every single year. And with Mark Few and other programs, here's the thing, even Kentucky, like when Kentucky went, you know, 38 and one and lost in the final four in in 2015, no one said, oh my God, this team is going undefeated. No, like they, they did that towards the end of the season as they said, hey, they have a chance, but never at the beginning of the season did they go, oh, Kentucky, they're going undefeated. They're, They're not losing the game. But at the same time for us, I feel like every single time we have a team that's halfway decent, everyone expects us to win every single game while we have millions of haters rooting for us to lose every single game. This is one of those things where they had a chance to keep us out and we gave them a reason to keep us out of the tournament by losing a lot of close games against some teams that, you know, ended up making the tournament because of that, we're not in it. So that's the standards that we have. We have to realize that we, that we are a victim of our own success because we're so successful all the time, people are going to think of us way higher and they're going to think if we lose it. I mean, just think about it. back in December, we postponed a couple of games and people thought we were canceling the season. So because they thought we were scared, that's the thing that we always have to deal with. It just manifests itself big time this year. With that, we will leave it there. We'll be back sometime soon to talk about the tournament, to talk about any news that's coming out of Duke land uh, as it pertains to basketball. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover all of it. If you want to give us feedback about the show, don't forget tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. Once again, that's tinyurl.com slash DBR podcast survey. We would love to hear from you. Keep emailing us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you again soon for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine. I am Sam Klein. This has been episode 295 of the Duke Basketball Reporter podcast. Duke Band, take us home.